Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. You worked all week. Work, 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 work. You didn't have time to look at your fantasy lineups. Son of a bitch. But don't be afraid. That's why we give you Weekend Fantasy Update. Woohoo! number three on Weekend Fantasy Update. Thanks for joining me, Mike Blewett. My co-host, George Kurtz, uh, will be back in about 15 minutes because I'm going to bring in my friend and former co-host, Kevin Walsh. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at the Kevin Walsh. And he does a podcast called The Pickup with Kevin Walsh. And he and I are going to talk NBA. First of all, Kev, thanks for joining me. And I assume you had fun watching the NBA draft. Always a good night for NBA fans. Yeah, loved it. I uh, took off from work to uh, make sure I could focus up. I'm, I'm incredibly excited. I feel like I remember last year where when the NBA season was coming to a close and we were getting ready for that offseason, the both of us were kind of looking ahead already to this offseason, and I feel like the draft was the beginning of that whole process. Uh, yeah, so obviously what happened in the draft is going to set up things for free agency, and it's going to be nuts. But let's focus really on the picks first. Um, I don't know that we need to get into the top three all that much because I think they've been talked mm-hmm. about ad nauseum. Zion mm-hmm. and John ja Moran and R.J. Barrett. I, I've thought for months that the Knicks weren't going to win the lottery and they'd somehow end up with R.J. Barrett, and that kind of ended up happening. I'm fine with it. I feel like the Knicks have a plan. Uh, it doesn't matter that they're not going to be – well, first of all, we have to see what happens in free agency, and I think they're one of the teams that's in on Kevin Durant. Uh, I think they're going to be one of the teams that – does everything they can to get Kevin Durant. We'll see mm. what what ultimately happens. But um, you – look, I, we'll go a bunch of different directions. But I jokingly texted to you, uh, I think it was yesterday, that you love the Hawks now. You're a right. big Trey Young fan. You're a believer in Trey Young. Obviously, he had a really nice rookie season. And they add, by trading with the Pelicans, they add DeAndre Hunter. And they have a really interesting, and they draft Cam Reddish as well. They have a really interesting mix of young players now. Uh, give me your thoughts. Do you think the Hawks are sort of one of the big winners to come out of the draft the other night? Well, I think the Hawks are, are definitely one of the more exciting teams entering next season. They perfectly fit the description of what a lot of people call a league pass team, where uh, they maybe won't rack up a ton of wins, but all of their games will likely be fun. I mean, that kind of applied last year with Trey Young. I think one of the interesting things coming into this draft was to see who they were able to get at 10, because essentially it ended up being Trey Young and Cam Reddish for Luka Doncic. I think that that trade worked out equally fine for both sides. As much as I think that DeAndre Hunter is a good player, I do think the Hawks kind of botched that whole trade scenario 
with the Pelicans. First of all, I would have picked Jarrett Culver at four had I came up uh, and I was the Atlanta Hawks. I just think he's the better player. I think he would have been the better option. But uh, I think it's fair to wonder if DeAndre Hunter actually might have been available to them at eight. And for that, they would have been able to hold on to both 17 and 35. They gave up three picks in the top 35 when I don't know if they even needed to in order to land their guy. Yeah, speaking of Jerry Culver, in a in a trade that from Phoenix, Minnesota moves up to take Jerry Culver. Now, mm. he had a tremendous season at Texas Tech. He's obviously a freaky athlete. He played well in big games. Uh, but are you a big belie- you're obviously a big believer in him at the mm-hmm. next level. It, it seemed to be for a lot of people, which I sort of hate when this analysis occurs, when people say, ah, it's a three-player draft, when mm-hmm. we just watched the Toronto Raptors win the championship with nobody that was a top draft pick. First of all, none of them were their own draft picks with the exception of possible. Right. <laughs> and none, yeah. of, none of those guys were... Uh, picked before 15, including Kawhi Leonard. So, so it isn't a three-player draft. There will be somebody lower in this draft that may very well be a star or a superstar. Um, but Culver, it seemed to be for a lot of people after Zion, John Moran, R.J. Barrett, kind of muddled. Mm-hmm. DeAndre Hunter, Garland, Culver, Kobe White, all those players were kind of jammed together. Yeah, and I actually think that there is a legitimate argument that Culver might have been the second best player in this draft. So to get him at six, I thought was phenomenal. The thing that I was hoping for, and again, you know this, you know I love chaos, is at about 6.30, the Timberwolves traded up to the sixth pick. And the report that they were interested in Garland, who ended up going five, and when it kind of seemed that they weren't going to be able to get him because the Cavs were going to take Garland, all of a sudden the Timberwolves were shopping the sixth pick, the pick they just traded up for, and I was praying that they somehow flipped the sixth pick for more that they actually had given up to get it. Ultimately, though, they got Jared Culver, who I think is a tremendous pick. I think another guy that fits the mold that you're talking about, uh, a later guy in the first round who could make a big impact, is uh, Matthias Thibault. Uh, who the Sixers ended up getting drafting. He's the only player, I think, in a single season uh, in the NCAA to have over 100 blocks and 50 steals. Uh, this guy has all-NBA defense potential, and he's going to be in a lineup with the Sixers where there's a number of guys that have all-NBA defense potential. So uh, I think that's a great fit, that fit. They had to move up a little bit to go get him, but I did like that move. The thigh ball move, too, is an example of a little NBA espionage at work. Uh, the Celtics apparently knew that the Sixers were interested and ended up putting the Sixers' feet to the fire, drafted him, and then flipped him. Or really, yeah, drafted him for the Sixers and then flipped him. So uh, they extracted a little bit more value out of the pick. Boston did a nice job of moving around in the draft. They end up with Romeo Langford out of Indiana. Carson Edwards out of Purdue in the second round is a really good player. So they end up with a a bunch of smaller guys, but still they've added four players as they try to kind of rebuild from what appears to be Kyrie and Al Horford leaving with uh, Jason Tatum and uh, Gordon Hayward and Jalen Brown still there as well. But um, you mentioned Cleveland you have a problem with them drafting Colin Sexton and then Darius Garland, or do you not worry about positional need when a team's rebuilding like that? 
Well, I, I think that's fair, right? How much can the Cavs prioritize position when they need talent so badly? The interesting thing that came out is this is kind of by design, that Bayline wants to have two ball handlers. It's what he's used to at Michigan. I just – like, the, what's the best-case scenario for this? Is that one of them is Damian Lillard and one of them is C.J. McCollum? Like, neither one of these guys are even close – to prolific defenders. I don't even know if either one of them are close to average defenders. So you need them both to be superstars offensively to justify the pairing. That That's really where I have the hesitation and not to continue to bring it in, but with a guy like Jared Culver on the board for me, I thought that would have just made a little bit more sense. Uh, if, if Baylon is set on having two primary ball handlers on the court at once, I don't know if the Garland-Sexton combination is going to be able to hold up on the other side of the ball to really justify it long-term. Neither of these guys is Damian Lillard. That's a lot to put on either of them. Well, but that's what I, I think they need to have I, you're right. that level yeah, of offensive like, production to justify what they're going to be defensively. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's fair. Well, and... Um, so I'll stay with the Cavs for a minute because I want to talk about a few players that slipped in the draft and are mm-hmm. pretty curious to me um, because the Cavs ended up with one of the guys. First of all, they picked Dylan Windler out of Belmont. He goes 26 to them. Then they go with Kevin Porter Jr. out of USC. So Kevin Porter is, I think he was drafted by the Bucks and then flipped to the Cavs. I think that's sort of ended up what happened. By the way, I wanted to start out. I didn't even mention it. Do you think the NBA needs to change these rules with the players going up there with the wrong hats on and and, and everything yeah. else? Uh, yeah. I, I, I I thought it was. This awful. seems to be really the breaking did. point this year. Yeah, it, it, it was it was particularly awful for some reason. It felt this year. I mean, the fact that when they like there there is next to zero time in between them getting that hat shaking the commissioner's hand and then being interviewed by Maria Taylor. And the, at the interview with Maria Taylor, she's talking to them about the team they're going to. And it's not the team or the hat that they're wearing. I mean, the whole thing looks so silly. And at the end of the day, walking that stage does mean a ton to these guys. And the fact that that lasting photo has them in an absolutely wrong hat, but everybody knew it. Like, it's not even the Natal Bridges situation. The trade ended up coming a couple of minutes after the fact. Like, I mean, for the love of God, we had DeAndre Hunter up there in a Lakers hat. At yeah. least in a Pelicans hat. Right. So, right. Uh, and the Kevin Porter thing, I remember he got drafted. He's wearing like a green blazer, and it seemed like he was going to the box. Yeah. And you find out, and I'm like, oh, wow, that's sort of a weird conspiracy. He wore the right jacket of the team that he's going to. And then uh, two minutes yeah. later, no, that's actually going to the Cavs because Woj comes mm-hmm. on and, and tells you the whole story. Um, but yeah. to stick with Porter for a second, he got the seventh most minutes on a USC, mm-hmm. USC team that wasn't even on the map at all at any point during the year. Off-court issues problems fitting in with the team it is interesting to see guys like that still get drafted in the first round so why why is he deserving of a first round selection yeah i mean it's a it's an upside play porter jr really started to kind of catch people eyes 
Um, the summer leading up to his freshman year, he had some really nice flashes at the beginning of his freshman season. And then I think he kind of fell out of favor and it really took a tumble there. But I think the chance to get him at 30, I believe the difference too between having a second round pick and a first round pick is an extra year on that contract, which is valuable. And you saw the Cavs paid a hefty price for four second round picks. And I think over $5 million in cash that they sent to the Pistons who actually had that pick, which again is how ludicrous that whole hat situation was. It wasn't even the Bucks who had that 30th pick that traded it right. to Cleveland. But I, I think that Porter Jr.'s upside, I, I like that play. I, I'll take that at 30, the, the talent, the potential you see there, especially in this draft. Um, I'm, I'm more than fine with that pick. Okay, second guy that plummeted in the draft. Nasir Little from North Carolina, mm. who obviously, ton of hype. I think, was he the McDonald's All-American uh, MVP? Yes. McDonald's All-American game MVP? Six, yeah, he six, killed six, all those four. games. Right. So, he's obviously another upside play. He had what everybody thought was a very disappointing season at North Carolina. Mm. The irony of all of this is that he ends up in Portland – which is a pretty good landing spot. They obviously were a team that tortured themselves against the Warriors, but have a lot of talent there. We'll see what the moving parts do to them in free agency. But they have the two guards in McCollum and Lillard. They add him to the mix, and you made a point when you and I were texting that he actually could be an important cog to them being more successful in the playoffs in 2020. Yeah, I mean, Nasir Little's the guy I think that divided opinions coming into the draft. There's a lot of people that love the upside. There's a lot of people felt that he basically was just a bad basketball player while at UNC. But I remember the hype that he was able to generate in some of those All Star games, and you can't put too much stock. But people, it's it's the it's the daring comp that people make now, and it it came obviously before he won Finals MVP. But people just love to throw out Kawhi Leonard when they look at someone that has elite physical tools and might be able to be a shutdown defensive player, and maybe there's offensive upside, they throw Kawhi Leonard out. Now, I'm not saying that's justified. I mean, Chauncey Billups gave about four or five different guys a Kawhi Leonard comp. But if Nasir Little can come out and play great defense for this team and just be a, I don't want to say a knockdown shooter, but just if he can just be 3 and D year one for Portland, that could be huge for the team that, it, I mean, I guess you have to put his perennial contenders to make a deep run within the Western Conference. Yeah. I mean, they challenged the Warriors this year in a, in a funky series where they just blew multiple 15-point leads. Um, Dame Lillard wasn't really healthy during that series either. Uh, so I, I do think he's an interesting addition. You just hope that he's able to kind of channel all of the talent that he was able to as a high school senior and was not able to as a college freshman. So last guy that slipped badly in the draft was Ball Ball. He gets traded. Denver trades for the right to draft him. He's a big man with foot injuries, and I think that's what scared everybody away, even though some metrics had him as a top 10 to 15 player. Yeah, I just yeah, at some point you figure out the risk-reward. I mean, Bowl Bowl, if he's ever able to be consistently healthy, I mean, there's a world that he's the second-best player in this draft class. I mean, the offensive potential for him is absolutely unbelievable. But unfortunately, just the nature of, uh, of his size, but just also the, the way his body is filling out, I don't know if we ever 
I don't know if Bull Bull ever plays back-to-back games uh, in, in the NBA. And that's, and that's a sad reality, but he goes to a place um, with the Denver Nuggets that took this swing on Michael Porter Jr. last year, kind of prepared for him to sit out for a full year, and they were able to deal with that. They had a very, very good season. So I think they'll be patient with Bull Bull. And, I mean, if he ends up giving them anything, a, a guy picked at 44, uh, I think that's an incredible win for the Denver Nuggets. I think you take that risk every single time. Yeah. Uh, six Canadians drafted. Shout out to Canada. The most by <laughs> one nation outside of the U.S. to have uh, that many players drafted. I think France did it uh, a few years ago. They had five players drafted in 2016. So shout out to Canada, R.J. Barrett, and uh, Nikhil Alexander, whatever his name is. <laughs> There's six different guys that I can't. The Knicks got two Canadians. So uh, how about that? So, they're, all right. They're diving uh, have, into the have, pipeline. Yeah, that's right. I have to I have to go rapid fire here. Where does KD mm. end up? I think he's going to end up still with the Knicks. Knicks. I think so, too. Uh, Kawhi. Stays in Toronto. That'd be cool if he did. I'm not convinced, but it'd be cool if he did. It's really a perfect spot for him. I think it'll still be a short-term deal. It's a little off the radar. Not for five years, but I, I think it'll, I think it'll be uh, yeah, one on one or even a two plus one. Yeah, uh, Kyrie, Brooklyn. Brooklyn. I think that deal's done. We both think that. Yeah, and CP3. Oh, I always thought Phoenix, but I don't know. I guess now I'm just gonna have to say stays in Houston. That's a coward answer, though. I think there's more to come there on the CP3. I hope so. It's good to, t- good to talk to you as always. We'll do some more NBA stuff when the free agency uh, lights Thank on you, fire here in the next week. Uh, that's Kevin Walsh. You find him on Twitter at the Kevin Walsh to pick up with Kevin Walsh, his latest podcast. We'll talk to you again soon, Kev. Thanks. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. on Weekend Fantasy Update. George Kurtz joining us yet again. He's on the longboard today, so had to give a segment off to uh, bring Kevin Walsh in to talk NBA. But put your money where your mouth is and take a shot by opening a sports wagering account with FanDuel. It's New Jersey's largest sports book. So go to FanDuel.com backslash grid where you'll receive a free bet of up to $500. That's a free bet of up to $500 when you open a sports wagering account at FanDuel.com backslash grid. So point spreads, game totals, props, parlays, and in-game wagering on college and pro sports, and you're in control. So go to FanDuel.com backslash grid and open your new account and claim your free wager of up to $500 today. So uh, we are talking about some odds from the FanDuel Sportsbook, which we were talking about a couple of segments ago, and we'll continue along with that since we were talking NFC South. 
George has the Saints making the playoffs at 11-5. And uh, I think he was right on. And uh, I do think they're a playoff team. But I just wonder if I can find a way between now and September to make them not win the division. I think Atlanta's got uh, – I think Atlanta's going to challenge here, George. Um, and you and I both like the roster. I think they were a victim of really bad luck last year in terms of injuries. And I think setting their total at 8.5 is something I'm interested in diving into. There's two bets I like more than any other for teams that um, – teams that are not expected to win the division and that's the chargers currently not favored to win their division over the chiefs and the falcons and the reason i like the falcons is because they're plus 380 so you're getting really tremendous odds on the falcons to win that division uh, it doesn't make it a guarantee but it does mean you have really good value there they're plus 138 to make the playoffs i do like the falcons to make the playoffs i think they're a playoff team so um it isn't isn't in it it isn't Matt Ryan favoritism. I know some people get on me for being a, a BC homer. Uh, I am a big Matt Ryan fan. There's no doubt, but he's also a, a, an excellent player, and they have a really good roster. And I think the team has run well, so uh, that's why I sort of I was bullish on them last year. It didn't work out injuries, but um, give me your one minute on the Falcons, and then we can go game by game. They better get off to a. Uh... Not a disaster start because their schedule is brutal in yeah. September and in uh, the first part of October. Their schedule is sort of the opposite of the Saints. It gets easier in the second half you know, where, where they can make some hay, but they better not fall apart earlier or else <laughs> it's not going to matter what you can do late. Yeah, uh, I think that's fair. And there, we'll, So we'll kick it off there. They start at Minnesota. I think it's a winnable game, but uh, you know, being on the road in Minnesota, uh, obviously Minnesota's going to be fired up this season after having a very disappointing 2019. And Kirk Cousins will be leading the way against Matt Ryan. Um, it's not a primetime game, so that helps Cousins. <laughs> uh, but w- what do you have them there? Are you going to give them a loss at Minnesota? Every game is a winnable game. Uh, yeah, I'm giving him a loss at Minnesota. If he, uh, on the road, if he was at home, I'd probably feel differently. But at Minnesota, I don't trust Kirk Cousins either, by the way. But I'll give him a loss here. Okay. I'm giving him a win. So I'm gonna. I just got to make a quick note here so that we see if ours are different. Um, I'm going to do Atlanta with you. So, and then they host Philly. I'm very That's curious to see where your losses are. If you're giving them a win at Minnesota, I'm curious to see where your losses are coming from. Okay. That might be the. I got to give him some. I got to give him some. Top three hard game all season. Minnesota, all well, season to prepare for this game. Hard to see them losing this game. So, Philly then. They host Philly on a Sunday nighter. Uh, what's in Philly? It's a Philly win. In Atlanta, I'm going to go with Atlanta. But Atlanta has a lot of problems with Philly. They don't seem to be able to beat the Eagles, especially when it matters. Yeah. But here it doesn't matter. Yeah. I'll give Atlanta a win. Okay. So, yeah, I'm at one and one. Then they go to Indianapolis. Okay. Give me the Colts. The Colts are yeah. one of the uh, – this team is building towards uh, the Colts. It's building towards the dynasty. They do this thing right. Uh, I like what they're doing yeah. in India here. I'm going to give uh, – They were, they were one Atlanta and five last here. year. I, I couldn't believe it all came together last year, but I thought it was really indicative of how they are built, to your point, moving forward to win that many games after struggling in the way that they did early in the season. Luck obviously showed that he was healthy, and they're just adding pieces. And they're not doing it uh, recklessly, aggressively. I think they still have a little bit more to build. 
You know, they they had a ton of cap space and they didn't spend it frivolously. I think they're holding out for guys that they know that they really want. Do you know what I mean? Oh, agreed. I uh, I completely agree. You know, they could have they could have spent a fortune this offseason. They didn't. They must be guys they have their eye on in future free agency. So okay, uh, so then they host Tennessee here. The Falcons do. Yeah, they host Tennessee on Sunday, September 29th. I'll give them a win there. I assume you will as well. Yeah. Then this is a tough one. At Houston uh, would be Sunday, October 6th. You like Houston, so you're giving them a loss. Yeah? Well, I don't love Houston. I think I think Houston made a mistake not upgrading at the running back position uh, in free agency. I would have liked to. I would have liked to have seen Houston make a run at Le'Veon Bell. I thought they would have gotten Bell. They would be right up there in the AFC as far as one of the better teams. But yes, I'm going to give uh, Atlanta a loss here. The only comment I'd make on that is, I don't disagree that it would have been interesting, but I thought their offensive line was just such a mess. That I don't think any. I, I think they're still even a year away from fixing it. They added a couple of guys in the draft, and I still think they have more to go to fix this offensive line. So, I think maybe by next year, if they wanted to draft somebody or get somebody in free agency, if there was somebody good available, um, I, I don't mind that they waited on Bell because I still think the offensive line is problematic. But uh, okay, you give Houston the win. You have Atlanta at two and three. I have at three and two. Um, then at Arizona, I'll give them that win to move to four and two. You give them a win to move to three and three. Yeah. Okay. Rams. Uh, they host the Rams in Seattle back to back. So they get these NFC West opponents back to back. Rams in Seattle. They split that. Yes. Okay, uh, I'm going to go with you there. That'll be hard for them to win both of those games. So four and four, five and three, and then that's the bye. So right up to the bye, um, you, you have them at four and four. I have them at five and three. Um, and then coming out of the – this is a tough stretch, actually. Two before the bye, two after the bye. Then they have to go to New Orleans and Carolina out of the bye. They're going to have to win one of those. Yeah, I don't think it'll be at New Orleans. History uh, says it won't be at New Orleans there. New Orleans also has a bye in Week 9, so it's not like they're getting that extra week to prepare. They'll both be uh, even there, which, by the way, is the way the NFL schedule should work. Uh, for the life, I don't know why they don't do that. Uh, yeah. Well, I know why, because of TV. But anyway, uh, yeah, I'll give them a uh, loss at New Orleans. I think that Carolina game is going to be tough, too, but I agree. I don't think I can give them three losses in a row here. Uh, so I'll give them a win at Carolina. Uh, so you have them at 5-5. Five and five. I'm at 6-4. and four. Then they host the Bucks, and the Saints. they have three home games in a row right around Thanksgiving. So they host the Bucks, Saints, and Carolina. Man, that's one, two, three, four, five division games in a row. I've never seen that before. Yeah, now you, their schedule is brutal. It, it's it's really tough here, but this is where they need to make hay. Uh, it's really where they have to do it here. Tampa, New Orleans, Carolina. I already said earlier when we did New Orleans that they'll beat New Orleans at home, and I'll stick to that here. And they'll beat Tampa and Carolina at home as well. But you mentioned th- saying going to win three division uh, division home games in a row. Boy, that's tough here. But I'm going to give them uh, they won't wins do in all three. Probably not. But I'm still giving them a win. You, you gave them you gave them two and you gave them two and one in those three, right? Nope, or I gave them all three. You gave them all three. Oh, so there you go. Um, six, four, yeah, okay. So now, and then at San Francisco, 
that's a loss. They'll be coming off the high of winning their three road game, three home games against the divisional opponents, and they're going to lose to San Fran at San Fran. Jacksonville hosting Jacksonville. They get back on track here. And then at Tampa, do they sweep Tampa? I can see this being a loss if the game doesn't mean much to Atlanta. Yeah, you know, maybe maybe it does to Tampa, but uh, no, I got them beating Tampa again. I think they'll need that one. So, Probably. especially yeah. for what I have, I, I, they record as. You have them at ten, though. You have them at ten wins. Yes. That's pretty good. I think it's going to take. I so, think it's going to take ten to go get a wild card. I think you might be right. So I have them. Yeah, I mean they're right there. I gave them the win against Minnesota to start it, but I can't see them. That five division games in a row, I, I'd have to, I'd have to look at that. Has that ever been scheduled like that before? Five divisional games in a row, two on the road and then three at home. It's just a, such a weird scheduling anomaly. I don't know why they would do it like that. I understand they sort of backload a little bit to have the divisional teams playing each other, usually in those last couple of weeks of the season. But they basically have five in a row. And in the back eight of the season, they have six divisional games. The only games they're playing outside are at San Fran and against Jacksonville, which is such an odd Week 16 game for Atlanta to be playing the Jaguars. But um, I think we're both right there um, at 10-6. and I'm going to have to find a way to get them that 11th win so that they can take out the Saints potentially. But... I'll I'll just say that I think the Falcons at a plus 380 to win the division and plus 138 to make the playoffs. I really like those values personally. I think the Falcons are a good team. I do, and uh, but that schedule is brutal. Uh, it's it's not easy. Uh, listen, a lot of people could bitch about the schedule. Uh, to paraphrase Joe Joe Girardi, it's not what you want. Uh, the five division games in a row is kind of idiotic. Uh, it's certainly, uh, division games should certainly be spread out. I mean, what if this, uh, the Falcons are a little banged up during that stretch? You know, all of a sudden they get, they get crushed. It's, it's not right. Division games should be spread out over the entire season, not in one little stretch there. But like I said, there'll be a lot of teams that can complain. There'll be teams that have three road games, teams. Uh, what? Is it Tampa Bay Buccaneers, same division, that don't play yeah, at home for eight talk weeks, about, something like that? We're going to talk about them right now, actually. So it's a perfect segue because – We've talked about this before. You're welcome. The Bucks don't play at home for seven weeks. Uh, so let's just go game by game. Well, I was going to do Carolina, but since you mentioned Tampa, uh, it's perfect to line up. So we'll start it out. Just trying to help. Well, yeah, you're, you're the man, dude. I mean, you just, you're just you uh, a strong professional, and I appreciate your ability. <laughs> <laughs> they are – the FanDuel Sportsbook has them set at six and a half. Plus twelve hundred to win the division, so they're twelve to one, and then plus five hundred to make the playoffs. Um, I don't see either of those happening, but let's go game by game. We'll see what the uh, see what the Bucks have right here. All right, can you start them off with a win, hosting the Niners? Because they need it. Oh man, I think you know San Fran's an improved team. Uh, no, they get Jimmy boy. back. Uh, Fine. Let's, let's give Tampa a win. Fine. Okay. Then week two, they go to Carolina. Thursday night game, loss. Yeah. They host the Giants. Can they? Can he get the Bucks back to over 500? Sure. Better enjoy Giants that because that's down. the last you're going to see over 500. It'll be hot. 
you know, a hot uh, Sunday. Well, they they moved the game to 4.05, so maybe the heat won't be quite as bad. It's still going to be hot. That'd be 92 instead of 95. Yeah, that's right. You'll be Uh, fine. Now, here's where it gets real. So they play their home game on September 22nd. They will not play another home game until November 10th. You'll say, well, how can that happen? Well, because they sacrificed one of their home games to London, uh, where they'll play Carolina. But before they go to London, after they've beaten the Giants, they get to go play the Rams at the Rams and then the Saints at the Saints, where they did win last year in week one, that 48-40 fantasy extravaganza that knocked everybody out of their survivor pools. So those are the next two games, at Rams, at Saints. Saints aren't letting that happen again. And even if, if I think the Rams take a step back, they're not taking such a step back to lose to the Bucks in week four. You with me? Agreed. Okay, two and three, uh, and then they host. Car- then they host Carolina. I put that in quotes because it's in London. Do they go to London and beat the Panthers to get back to three and three? Yeah, you never know about these London games. Uh, what's going to happen? Uh, who's going to? Uh, I don't know. Whatever. Uh, I already gave. I gave Carolina a loss the first time. The neutral field. I'd feel a lot better if it was in Tampa Bay. I truly would. Uh, I'll give no, it a win gave, here, but I think, it, I think it. Yeah, 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 yeah. You gave Carolina the me win being nice. at Carolina, so in London you'll give the Bucks the win. So three and three would actually be all right there if they're three and three going into the bye. But coming out of the bye, they play at Tennessee and at Seattle. Best case scenario is you go one on one here. I don't think you can. I don't, you're certainly not going to win in Seattle. I, I don't think you're winning in Tennessee either. I think they have both better teams. I don't think so. Either. Uh, yeah, I'm going to give both losses. Yep, three and five. Then they host Arizona. Let's give them a win there. Uh, yeah, we keep giving a win against everything that plays Arizona. Arizona's not going 0-16, but sure. This is fair. For the sake of this. This uh, is fair. For the sake of this. I've just given them loss. so many losses already. I got to I gotta bounce them back to four and six maybe. Uh, then they host the Saints. Uh, do they split with the Saints? No. We already did that. We already did Atlanta. Yes, that's right. Uh, Atlanta, that's a loss. Uh, at Jacksonville. Oh, boy. Uh... <laughs> Sunday, December 1st. I know George is chomping at the bit for this game. Bucks, Jaguars, Battle of... Uh, hey, the Battle Florida. of North Florida, man. What are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. Must be right on the big screen TV. Uh, no, loss. I, I don't know what to think about Jackson. What, what team's going to show up? Are they still going to be in it? The Divas going to want to play? It's team turmoil. You know, uh, yeah. Talvin uh, Smith walking away was a huge blow to that. It's a yes, huge blow yes, and to that defense. Ramsey wants of to, all the Ramsey talented defenders on that team, truck. Jalen Ramsey is the best defender. He's the guy. He's the straw that stirs the drink is Talvin Smith, and he's just not, not going to be there. Uh, all right, they're losing to the Colts, right? Um, yes. And they're at Detroit. You want to give them their fifth, fifth win? Sure, because that's all they're getting. Okay. Uh, then they play Houston and Atlanta. I think we know that. So that's it, man. They're 5-11 and 11 again. They finished Sounds in last about right. place seven, seven out of eight years. They finished in last place. Eight Here's all I'll say. say we Consistency. Got, right? Right. And the general manager still has his job. So even if they improve, what's the best they're going to go? Seven and nine? 
I mean, it just... That would be the upside. That's the upside. They're 500, maybe. They're not making the playoffs. So Oof. I'd fade those. As, I'd fade those bets. Eight, eight, eight they go anywhere near 500. Arians is your coach of the year. Yeah. All right. We'll be right back. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. Radio Network final segment of Weekend Fantasy Update, handing it over to Cam Stewart and George for weekend wagers. They'll get through the baseball action, which will get started around 1 o'clock, and going through all the games, live action and and upcoming action. I want to wrap up the NFC South discussion that we've been having today uh, with the Carolina Panthers, who, according to FanDuel Sportsbook, are a seven and a half win total over under. So, by the way, we have the Saints. George did the Saints uh, solo. He has them over by a half game. We both like Atlanta over at, say, 10 wins, which is pretty comfortable to me. That's the type of comfort when I start to go through these exercises, George, that I'm willing to put some money down on. And I think we are, when we're doing this, we don't get particularly aggressive. I don't think we have them going on crazy runs and winning seven road games or anything like that. I think we play it pretty close to the vest when we're predicting this. And I think when I start to get teams that are a game and a half, two games or more uh, away from their line, that's when I start to think about making a strategic wager. I'm two games. That's where that's my line. I like to, like to look for. Uh, if I get two games or more over or under for that matter, that's when I uh, start to take notice. So we have the Bucks at five, uh, five and eleven, with a total of six and a half. I did a I do an over under competition every year with some friends, uh, and in addition to putting down some additional wagers, I think. Uh, I've talked about this before on air. The Bucks were my number one overall pick last year, and I picked them under. Uh, we do a snake draft, so we end up using 16 teams. In fact, we we get into 20. There's four of us, so we get into really 20 teams because we pick a tiebreaker team, too. I ended up going 4-0. I just, it's never happened in our competition before. I just had a good year. I had the Bucks under, Titans over by a half game. I had the Raiders under, hard under, on the Raiders. And the Lions under. I just really wasn't a believer in those coaching transitions. And I thought the Bucks were dead in the water before they ever stepped on the field last year and it ended up proving to be the case. Fitzpatrick made me sweat for like the first half of the year. And then it all came crashing down to earth when everybody realized that Dirk Cutter was about to be fired. Yeah, which we all knew was just a matter of time happening. And Fitzpatrick was always a yeah. matter of time, too, before he turns back into a pumpkin. That's right. what he does. That's right. Uh, all right, so Panthers, uh, we have that set. Uh, seven and a half, over-under, plus 650 to win the division. It's 
crazy value there. And plus 192 to make the playoffs. Let's see if we can get them close to the playoffs. Here's the Panthers. Uh, they start out by hosting the Rams in September. Yeah, there will be no silence of the Lambs or the Rams. Loss. <laughs> they, then they host the Bucks. Uh, we know that's a win. Uh, at Arizona. I know we can't have them going alone 16, so is this where Arizona gets a win? No, still, I'll go Carolina. Okay. You, you, I feel like we have the Arizona losing every game. but We we'll do. We do uh, when you go to one-for-one basis, it's hard to pick Arizona to win any game. But uh, yeah. this is where, where if you did the Arizona schedule, it wouldn't hook up with what, what else we're doing because we have to give them some wins, at least three. Yeah. yeah. We'll probably have to build some sort of master spreadsheet. We'll get somebody on that. Maybe Sean Angle can do that. Uh, sure. All right, so. Sean, what are you doing this weekend, Sean? No plans? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good. Get that spreadsheet <laughs> going. Uh, at Houston. Loss. Right? I'm going to give a loss there. Yeah. Hosting the Jaguars. Once again, I think this is a 50-50 game. You know, I, Jacksonville and Carolina, for that matter, are two of the teams that I, I I don't know what to expect this year. I don't know what kind of player Car- uh, Cam Newton's going to be. And Nick Foles, I'm not a big believer in Nick Foles. I'm just not. Uh, it's in Carolina. Give me Carolina. To me, you know what? It's less about, like, Nick Foles being the savior than I don't know if the rest of the cast is good enough. The receiving core in Jacksonville is Marquise Lee, you know, DJ Chark, like what are we looking at here? We got a rookie tight end that's going to challenge for snaps. I just don't know. It's obviously going to be an extremely run heavy. Don't team. worry, Leonard Fournette will save them all. <laughs> yeah, look, there's all kinds of issues there. Obviously, attitude issues, nagging ankle injuries. There's all that kind of stuff too. I just don't know that if at any point they're going to be like. All right, we got to bail on this and let Foles just throw the ball forty times. Like that's just not how they're built. So I have Foles in a dynasty league just because he's his starting quarterback, not because I have any expectation for him to do anything good. I just need somebody in case Phil Rivers gets hurt. So for me, I you cannot be a believer in Foles, but I don't think it's really set up for him to kind of win games anyway. Do you know what I mean? It better not be. I mean. Uh... <laughs> I think what they're hoping from Foles that he certainly he won't be uh, this his name who I can't remember right now, who's no longer starting quarterback Bortles. there, but Bortles, uh, Bortles yeah, he certainly won't be making those mistakes and put the defense in better position, you know, sort of that sort of thing. Uh, but listen, he's, he's not going to win games by himself. No, not with that core. Yeah. Uh, okay. So yeah, I'm at three and two, and then going to Tampa. I think, you might have I think we split. said they'd split, right? Yeah. That's the one in London. Yeah. So uh, we'll say split. Uh, then it's a bye week. So at San Francisco, it's coming out of the bye. I think this is the, the bye week makes it a little, uh, closer game than it might otherwise be, but still in San Fran, I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to go Niners here. Okay. Tennessee hosting Tennessee. That'll be a tough one. Another tough That's game here that can go either way. That's going to be, it will be if they lose this, they're, they're in a lot of trouble if they lose this game. Uh, according to my yeah. schedule, I'm going to give them a win here. Just because I think the next three games are all losses. Uh, so you have them at Green Bay, loss. Atlanta, loss. At New Orleans, loss. You're right. They do Tennessee play the Packers team. tough. They, they do. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, if they lose to Tennessee, the season's probably done. So, uh, yeah. it, actually, it's done done anyway. But 
for so right the purpose of this six exercise um, after New Orleans. Then they play Washington. I actually think Washington's a little underrated this year. Granted, they have a rookie quarterback. Actually, you missed the game somewhere, by the way. They can't be four and six, or else did I? They're only playing fifteen games. Uh, what did I do? Uh, Rant. I don't know. Sorry, sorry to do this on air. Rams. Uh, no. Uh, four and seven. I'm sorry. Four and seven. So After it's the already game. just about over. Washington, give them a win. Fighting back. Sure, they're not going to lose. Six out of seven. Well, they might. <laughs> At Atlanta. Did we have Atlanta sweeping them? Loss. I think I did, yeah. I like Atlanta. Then they host Seattle. Late season uh, heroics. Yeah, it keeps the season alive for one more week. Okay. So then they're six and eight right now. And then at Indy, yikes. Yeah, well, you know, it's funny. Uh, what, what was there, What was there over on the... Seven and a half. What was, was it? And I'm giving them a couple of wins that I don't know about. Now, uh, this is one where uh, I think this team is going to uh, not have a good year, to put it nicely. We're, we're going to give them a win against that last game against New Orleans because it might not mean anything to the Saints. doesn't look like it will mean anything to the Panthers either. So uh, we gave a win versus Seattle, even Washington. Yeah. These are iffy wins here that we you just have don't know. Beat, Tennessee. You were kind of generous there, and you gave them seven. Yeah, this is, I, I don't think uh, this is really I, tough. I'd go the under here. I think so. This one's right on the number. I, I do think that if you get good cam, that they'll win a couple of games here that we're not confident in. I think there's a, some impact of us not really knowing what Cam Newton is going to be. Uh, that it probably has us less bullish on them. But I think so. This one's right around the number. I also we also both think that the Saints and the Falcons are really good, right? We think the Falcons are better than Vegas, and I think the public do. And the Saints are the Saints, you know, around an eleven-win team. So, I think that's really what they're suffering from. Uh, if they end up with the seven wins here, we had the Bucks at five. You know, it's another third-place finish for Carolina. That really puts them in a weird spot. I mean, are they waiting? You know, it's almost like they're waiting for Breeze to retire so they can move back up the food chain in the division. But they're still looking up at Matt Ryan too. They both finished with seven and nine records last year, and we talked about how fantastically badly things went for Atlanta at one point. You could probably say the same because Cam was banged up in Carolina, but nonetheless, I, I think we got unders for Tampa and Carolina and overs for the Saints and the Falcons. Like I said, my favorite value of all of this in this entire exercise is Atlanta to win the division at plus 380. I also would take them at plus 138 to make the playoffs. So that's kind of where I'm at, uh, fading the Panthers and Bucks at this moment. And the Saints, um, you know, you got to pay some juice to try to win the division to make the playoffs. Their over-under is 10.5. So I don't say it with – I'd say over right now. I don't say it with as much confidence as I would say the Falcons. So, all right, so that's the deal. Uh, getting back to a little bit of baseball, we only got about five minutes left. Derek Dietrich, George, we mentioned this – I mentioned this to you during one of the breaks. He got hit by a pitch five times uh, on Thursday and Friday by uh, Brewers pitching, and they're salty about it because he's leaning into pitches. He's not moving out of the way of pitches. He does lean over and into the plate, and he got hit five times in two days. Uh, 
a really sort of shocking number, but what are your thoughts on there? Brewers have every right to be ticked off. I mean, we saw the same thing last year with Brandon Nemo of the Mets. Another guy leaned into pitches. You want to stop that? Throw one up and in. You want to get hit? Here you go. You know, that generally will stop it. And sooner or later it'll happen. I'm not an, I'm not advocating throw it at his head, but it's what's going to happen here. I'm just telling you how baseball is going to play. Someone's going to get ticked off. Go, hey, you want to lean in? You want to get hit? I don't know what Dietrich wears. If he's wearing the the armor, so it doesn't even hurt him. You know, he's doing that sort of, playing that sort of game. But what's going to happen is someone's going to throw up and in. You know, you want to get hit? Here you go. You know, we'll make it hurt. So I guarantee that's going to come. And that generally will put a stop to this. I'm sure that baseball will have a talk, maybe if not with Dietrich, with the home plate umpire as well. You go, listen, you don't have to be awarded first base to be hit. You don't. If, you, if they, the umpire deems that you leaned in and got hit on purpose. We did. We saw this with Nemo happen last year as well. And he wasn't awarded first base after one hit. So I think that's what's going to happen. And now the Brewers have made a stink about it. They'll get the league involved. The home plate umpire will be told. And that's what Dietrich will be told. That you keep doing this, you're not going to be awarded first base. Uh, for the record, he went 0 for 1 yesterday with a walk. He had these hit by pitches. He scored four runs with his with his line being an, an 0 for 1 because he just keeps getting hit and they keep putting him on. So it's kind of an interesting lineup there. But I think you're right. I just think if it starts to get to that ridiculous point, the league just has to take a look at it and just say we need to adjust something here and not keep awarding him for leaning his shoulder in. Um, it's helping his on-base percentage quite a bit, obviously. He's, uh, his OPS currently 947, uh, even with the 231 average. So uh, there you go. One other guy from this game. I just heard, uh, you know, I was just watching kind of the announcers talking about him last night and what a year that Mike Moustakas has been having. Historically a third baseman, he's come to Milwaukee playing second base 22 homers, 46 ribbies, 278. Obviously, being in that lineup with Yelich helps, but Mike Moustakas has been a really nice addition to this Brewers lineup. Oh, absolutely. It's amazing what hitting in uh, middle plays can do, too. All right, I mean, yeah. the ball the ballpark, the ball flies out of there. Not that this would uh, diminish what Yelich is doing or Moustakas, uh, but still, I mean, there's definitely a correlation there. You're a fantasy owner. You're probably a little disappointed in the RBIs. 22 home runs, 46 yeah. RBIs. Uh, that's not very good. You like seeing a little bit more uh, two-run, three-run jacks there. But he's having another fantastic season. You love the fact that he has eligibility all across the infield, third base, second base, middle infield, corner infield. We like that. We like that a lot. Yeah. Um, I was watching a little bit of the – you know, we didn't get a chance to talk too much about it when we uh, we were kind of rushing on the Indians, but – Let's just spend another minute on the Nationals. Because they've played better as of late, I think the last time we were on together, we were just like, I think you were even saying who gets fired first, you know, manager, general manager, what are they going to do? Now what happens with Rendon and everything else? So, oh, by the way, as a tangent, as a tangent to the Nationals talk, we didn't get a chance to talk about what a psycho Max Scherzer is. <laughs> I know. I, Obviously, you and I both said that looked like that hurt a lot when he got hit with the. <laughs> he, was, he was obviously trying to keen observation. He was attempting there. a bunting, it was attempting a bunting drill. I I hate, I'd be personally scared to say this to Max Scherzer's face, but he was being really lazy about it. He was just like flinging. Oh, the he, was bat out there, just kinda right. he was fooling around. Kind of tipping. He was fooling around. 
he wasn't taking the bunting drill seriously, and because he was messing around, it hit him in the face. You put it perfectly before. He had a bat at a 45-degree angle, almost aiming the ball at his face. And soon enough, he got hit there and uh, broke his nose. If you haven't seen a video of it, uh, he's got the nice shine under his right eye. So not only does he have the uh, two different colored eye things, now he's got a shine at a boot there. He, he does look like a psycho, someone you wouldn't want to meet in a uh, alley. But to his credit... Came out the next day and pitched a gem. He said in the video, yeah. Yo, yeah, once I got used to pitching with the uh, the inflammation, the bruising where it jiggled, you know, because it's all puffy. You know, once I get used to pitching with that uh, puffiness, it's okay. And by the way, that's just what I'd want to hear from a batter. A guy who's throwing mid 90s, high 90s, who's not, maybe not so sure where the ball's going because his eye, his thing under his eye is jiggling. Yeah, I'll be real comfortable yeah. in the box. Yeah. Um, he's good enough as it is, but it gave him some added motivation. He obviously pitched seven scoreless, but. Uh, so we'll just close out on the Nats. They played better as of late. It looked like at one point, well, maybe they have to blow this up, but maybe not now. Maybe they're back in the mix there. We talked about how close the National League races have been, and now here they are. They're right back in the mix. Maybe they don't take the division from Atlanta, but Philly has been disappointing, and Atlanta's only six and a half games in front of them. Six and a half, uh, they won game below 500. They are a plus 11 uh, run differential. Tough decisions to make, though, because if you're not going to sign Rendon, then you have to trade him by the deadline. You can't let I him walk for free. They made a huge mistake not trading Harper last year. Uh, I think it was, I believe it was Houston who made an offer. It was a good offer for him, and they turned it down. And then and Harper left for nothing. And you never made him a serious bid. And so you knew he wasn't coming back. That being said, Washington has to climb over Arizona, San Diego, St. Louis, and Philly to get into the wild card. Not going to be easy, but only three games out. Yeah, well, we'll keep tracking this as we go. Halfway point of the season coming up, but the end of the show is here. George joins Cam Stewart for Weekend Wagers next. Come out. 